You're listening to For Eternity and Until, where together we uncover how to bring heaven to earth in our everyday choices and live the life we were created for. I'm your host, Tori Mayhine, and I'm so glad you're here. Let's get this party started. Welcome back, my friends. Gosh, we're already halfway through this study through the book of Ephesians that we're doing over the summer, and it feels like the summer's coming to a close. I'm looking outside my window, and there's fall leaves falling, and we're getting back into the school year routine, and so much has changed over the course of the last couple of weeks for me and my family. And I just want to encourage you that if you're in a season where you're feeling overwhelmed in the midst of the change, that there is clarity and there's treasure to be found in the midst of the process. Trust God step by step as you faithfully follow where he's calling you to go in this season. He's with you and he's for you and he's good. We're going to finish the third chapter of Ephesians together on the podcast. But before we dive into that, I just want to remind you about the resource through Awana called Talk About. I've been using this with my kids as we prepare for homeschool. We're actually using it as our Bible curriculum this year because I didn't want something super intense or in-depth that feels really monotonous and like study for my children. I want their faith with God and their relationship with me to flow from a place of authenticity but it's really helpful to have some guidelines to direct conversation and intentionally focus on different topics. And each week, Talk About has been sending me material to my email. I like printing it out because my daughter loves doing the coloring pages while I'm talking to her about the lesson. And then my older son actually reads the portions of scripture out of our Talk About material for that week. We've done it at a Mexican food restaurant. We're doing it in school and we're really enjoying this resource. And if you want to check it out and try it for one month for free. Use the code all caps eternity and go to www.talkaboutdiscipleship.com. It's linked in the show notes below. Again, use the code all caps eternity and go to www.talkaboutdiscipleship.com. Hello and welcome back. We're finishing chapter three of Ephesians today in this study. We're going through verses 14 through 21. And in the last session, we learned about the mystery that Paul was entrusted by the grace of God for the glory of God. This mystery that we get to be grafted in to this work, to this promise, to the fulfillment of what God told Abraham he would do thousands of years ago, that through him, all of the nations of the world would be blessed. God came and redeemed us himself, even though we willfully chose to separate ourselves from him. He bridged the gap. And so Paul is writing to this group of Ephesians and explaining to them in this section of scripture what he is praying for them. Given all of the context around our role as a church and the reconciliation that we have with God and with others, these few verses hold such profound weight. And I hope that through studying them today on this lesson, they'll become a rich reminder for you and a prayer that you pray over your own life and the lives of others as well. Take a quick second, 
be fully present here. Pause the recording and pray and open up your Bible and ready yourself with expectancy for God to speak to you as we read these verses. Ephesians 3 verses 14 through 21. Prayer for spiritual strength. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all of the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we could ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Verse one, Paul says, it's for this reason I bow my knee before the Father. There's so many things that he's brought up so far in this letter to the Ephesians. Maybe the reason why he's bowing his knee to pray is this desire to see unity between the church and God himself and the church with each other in relationship. Maybe his reasoning is praying for the fulfillment of this body, this dwelling place for where God's spirit reigns, like he shares at the end of chapter two. Or for this reason, he mentioned in chapter three, given his calling to carry this message of hope, this message of the gospel to not only the Jews, but to the Gentiles. And given his background as a Jewish leader and scholar, to be a part of this new thing that God is doing. There are many reasons (laughs) for which he could be getting down on his knees to pray. And there's many reasons for us as well to get on our knees and pray. And who is he praying to? He says he's praying before the Father, from whom every family in heaven on earth is named. We have a heavenly Father. And just like Jesus kind of hid himself away to encounter one-on-one with his heavenly father in prayer, we get the same direct access. Remember at the end of um, verse 21, when Paul tells us that in Jesus, we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. We have boldness and access with confidence through faith in Jesus directly to our Heavenly Father to pray. And when we pray, I mean, Jesus gives us the Lord's Prayer in the Gospels to mirror, but, you know, pop the pressure bubble of performance or needing to do it right. Prayer is simply communicating with God. Prayer is simply coming before God to adore him and to ask for what is needed and to honor him for who he is. 
his presence never leaves you. But intentionally kneeling or getting alone or finding a rhythm for prayer in your life will bring so much richness to your faith. I know for me, I can't sit and pray. I can't just, you know, sit still and pray. For me, my prayers come with action. So I go outside almost every afternoon. I set my timer for about 45 minutes and I walk my property and I pray and I think. And sometimes I bring my Bible, but I have to move my body and speak out loud to keep my attention pointed toward God. And passages like this really do set such a great framework for me when I'm praying a given over a certain circumstance and I don't really know what to pray. I go to God's word and I just pray scripture. And this is one of my favorite pieces of scripture to pray over circumstances and situations. I am meeting with a group of women on Saturday mornings to go through this content that I'm recording for you. And some of the prayer requests this last week were really heavy cancer diagnosis for neurological issues, various health concerns, financial concerns. And when we read through this passage of scripture and what Paul is praying for this group of people in Ephesus and also what he's desiring for himself, given that he's in prison and he's writing this letter to the churches and still actively living out his calling, even within the restraints of imprisonment, it gave context for us of what to pray and how to approach God with these seemingly impossible circumstances. Then he comes before the Father, and when Jesus spoke of his Heavenly Father, he used the word Abba, and it's this word in the Greek that is very equally respectful and intimate all at once. There's not really an English word that translates well for us, but it's this beautiful uh, presence of relationship that we have with our Heavenly Father that it's both intimate and honorable. So we come before the Father in whom we are all named. We all source our life in him. We we all have one Father. It's this unifying existence in him. And just like there is a Trinity, Father, um, Holy Spirit, and Jesus, the structure for our families look similarly, right? Mother and, and Father and Son and Because we are made in the image of God, this also translates into our relationships and the structure of family. It's all given to us by the Heavenly Father who created all things and breathed all things into existence. Our relationships and our lives are mirrored in Him. And verse 16 says that, according to the riches of our Heavenly Father's glory, that He would grant us, and He talks about a few things that he's praying for for these people. He grants, he's asking and praying for power. He says that in verse 16, he says it in verse 18, and he says it in verse 20. Power through his spirit in your inner being, strengthened with power. Now, this is not like 
I am so powerful, I am so strong in the natural or in my physical body, but this is a power that is specific to your inner being and sources itself from Christ himself, his spirit alive in you. When you place your faith in Jesus, he fills you with his spirit and that empowers you toward righteous living. And you go through this entire lifelong process of God's spirit sanctifying and purifying and teaching you and leading you and guiding you. And so he's praying for this strength in the inner being that results from the presence of the Holy Spirit in these people's lives and hearts. And um, inner being is the center of your affection, the center of your decisions, the center of your behavior. It's not external. So when we were praying for the people in our lives who are facing various circumstances that are very difficult in the natural, we started praying for them, not just for physical health, but for inner being strength according to the spirit that is alive in them. And verse 17 says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts, through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth of God's love for you. Okay, so verse 17, when Christ is dwelling in you, he's not just temporarily staying. He's not saying when Christ visits you, it's when Christ makes his dwelling place in you. Again, he's speaking about the spirit that's alive in the hearts of those who place their faith in Jesus in the church. Christ is dwelling in you. His home is your heart. He's moved in. He's not keeping his suitcase on the floor and waiting for you to screw up and then leaving and abandoning you. No, his clothes are in the closet and his furniture is in the room and he's painted the ceiling and the walls and made his home. He is dwelling in you, so to speak, like we dwell in our own homes. And through his dwelling in us, we are rooted and grounded in love. The roots of a tree keep the tree planted in that place. The winds come. You know, we have so many storms here in Tennessee. And when the wind blows, it blows ferociously. And uh, when the rain comes, it pours. My friend actually told me that we're only a couple of inches away from being um, a rainforest level of uh, rain here in Tennessee. So we get some really gnarly storms. When the wind blows, though, my trees typically don't go anywhere, especially the really tall, strong, established trees. And in the same way, when Christ makes his dwelling in us, when we are being built together into a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit, like it says at the end of chapter two, our roots go deep into the reality of God's love for us. We are grounded in love. And as a result, we have strength and a full comprehension with the saints. So this is not just our own reality and comprehension, but it's with the saints. It's a collective understanding as a whole in the church and body of believers of this undying, unending, perpetual love that God has for us to help us comprehend with the saints 
what is, and in my translation, it says breadth and length and height and depth, but it could also be width and length, height, depth, whatever. You know, these are breadth. I wouldn't say breadth (laughs) naturally. I would say width. But when you think of the breadth of something, if it's wide, if it's all-encompassing, if the arms of Christ are stretched out wide, that's this symbolic of acceptance. There's nothing that falls outside. There's no person that falls outside of that accepting boundary. What is the length of God's love? That it's never ending. It never stops. It is an enduring love that is not fragile to circumstances or hinged on your behavior, but it rests itself. It's secured in the character of our God. The height of this love. This is not a uh, earthly love. This is an exalted love. This is an honorable love. This is a love that is sourced in heaven. Remember, we're seated in heavenly places. And so this love that we have from God that we exist in is not one that we can we can relate to the quote love that we experience between us and another human being. It's so much higher than that. And what is the depth of this love? If we are rooted and grounded in the love of God, then that depth of our root system should be deep enough to where whatever the circumstances, however the wind blows, our tree remains rooted and grounded. Our lives remain rooted and grounded, immovable in our understanding of, of the love of the Father for us. Verse 19 says to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. To know this love, not just comprehend or hear about it or sort of read it, read about it or memorize it, but to know it, to know it through experience that surpasses knowledge. We can never fully know. No human being could ever fully know the love that God has for us. It surpasses our own knowledge. So when we try to measure it with our own human understanding and we're not approaching the throne of God and the love that the Father has for us with first and foremost the fear of God, then we won't be able to comprehend it. And his love works in mysterious ways. Yes, there's still suffering. Yes, there's still pain. Yes, there's still trial. Remember, Paul is writing this from a prison cell. But in the midst of that, this love is not circumstantially measured by what we're experiencing in life, but it's established in an unending, high, wide, long, deep love that is divine. It's outside of our realm of possible experience or measure in the natural. That's the reason why we need strength through the Spirit. We need God himself to reveal this love to us. And it is a process, okay? Just like you fall in love with somebody, you know, in your actual life. It's a process, There's a process to understanding and um, walking out a deep, intimate love relationship with God. And the end result of that is that we will be filled with the fullness of God. So if God is dwelling in you, 
What if it wasn't just one room of your heart? What if it was all the living room and every inch and every space, your kitchen, every every part of your heart that is livable in? He's not just dwelling in a part of you, but he is encompassing and filling all of you with himself. Again, this was the prayer that we prayed when we met together for our Bible study for the people that we know who are suffering in the natural. God, we know that you're still working this work in and through their lives. Will you move and have your way and and encounter them in a way that brings the fullness of God to their life and their circumstances, even in the midst of what they are walking through. Strengthen their inner being with your spirit and remind them, root them, and ground them in your love that is unending for eternity and until. Verse 20 says, it says, proclamation, now to him, to our heavenly father, who is able to do abundantly more than we could ever ask or think. Remember, this love of Christ surpasses knowledge. It is beyond what we could ask or think. According to the power at work within us, us, not just the power that is at work outside of us or the power that God is working in and through the universe or whatever, he is able He is able to do abundantly more than we could even think of asking him to do through us, through the spirit that is alive in us. Remember, he moves and does his work through the church, through you, through me. We are the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. So according to that power that's at work within us, we can have the assurance when we're fully surrendered to him that he is doing more than we could even understand that he's doing through our lives. How does that change your perspective of your reality right now and what you're facing right now? If you're facing illness or hardship, there is a supernatural element and authority that is given to you in your life no matter what you are going through. And the fullness of God can be met in our lives early than the, you know, 90-year-olds. It's interesting that when we're when we're, you know, death is always something to be sorrowful for, but when somebody dies who is younger, it's oh, they they had so much more life to live. But I've also watched these younger people who died before what I would think is the quote right time in the natural for somebody to die. I watched the fullness of God live through their lives in their circumstances and their death brought glory to God. It drew me closer in my understanding of what God is able to do in and through my life because of what they suffered. Don't, um, box in what God can and will do through the circumstances in your life to bring the fullness of himself in and through your heart. This power is working within you. And verse 21, the last verse of the day, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. The glory in everything, which is our good in everything, is lived through the church, through human beings like you and me who are filled with the Spirit of God. And in Christ Jesus, everything is from him and to him and for him, through him. 
So in the church, in Christ Jesus, throughout all generations, remember, we are praying to the Father who, it says in verse 15, whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. So we're sourced from him and every generation following us is sourced in him. So throughout all generations, not just my life, not just my family's life, but naturally when you're embodying this perspective of for eternity and until, you're not just praying for what is happening right now. You're praying for what is to come, knowing that God's not just finished yet with the short period of your lifetime that you're here on earth forever and ever. Amen. Let it be done according to your word. God, let these words invade our hearts and our lives and let them be a prayer for our community and for our lives. Amen. Hey, thanks so much for listening. If you have a second, leave a review or post a comment here on the podcast page. It helps this podcast to be seen by other people so we can spread this message far and wide. I cannot wait until next week and I'll talk to you soon.